Welcome to the Detroit Regional Chamber's Power of Ann podcast. Each episode brings together a range of voices representing the complexity of political issues in Michigan with the goal of embracing an and approach rather than either or policy solutions. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Power of the Ann podcast. I'm today's host, Adam Majestic, recording here at the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. Uh, joining me today, we have very passionate representative and a equally enthusiastic senator with me, both taking a selfie right now, uh, just chatting about all of our fun times here at the conference. Um, good friends. We have Graham Filler across from me, state representative from St. John's, and then we also have state senator Sam Singh from East Lansing. Welcome both of you. Thanks uh, for having us. Yeah, of course. Uh, senator Singh, do you want to just give us a, a brief overview of who you are, where you've been, and uh, your extensive legislative background? Sure. Um, I am currently the state senator for the 28th district, which is parts of Ingham County, Clinton County, and Shiawassee County. I'm the uh, majority floor leader, and I spent six years in the House uh, between 2013 and 2018. And one of the things I was most proud of is the energy package that we passed, the bipartisan energy package of 2016. And now that I'm back in the Senate, we're looking at also updating some of those uh, bills uh, hopefully in the next uh, few months. And we've heard about that, and we're excited to get working on that with you. Representative Filler, tell us about yourself. Uh, Yeah, so I'm an attorney, uh, but I am a state rep right now, 93rd District, and that's five different counties, uh, Clinton, Cratchit, Montcalm, Ionia, and Saginaw. Uh, Served on the Energy Committee for one term, amazing experience, and then was an MPSC attorney for two years, so I've lived through the um, rate-based fights and learning what goes into having reliable, um, strong base load here in the state of Michigan. And we have a, a newly formed Nuclear Energy Caucus, uh, bicameral, bipartisan. I see and the lapel pin on you right now. Thank you. Yep. That's uh, that's the universal sign right there for nuclear power. And so um, we're taking leadership on that. It's very important here in the state of Michigan. You know, let's, let's talk about nuclear energy. Um, talk to you before, Rep. Filler, on nuclear energy at your office, um, and you're really enthusiastic about it. Um, you said MSU has one of the best programs here in the entire nation when it comes to nuclear energy. And uh, developing those future employees of nuclear power plants, nuclear physics, all the stuff that I don't understand. Tell us about that and how you imagine keeping those nuclear students here in Michigan. Yeah, so and I don't think people know. Michigan, um, before Palisades closed, Michigan was 30% nuclear. So it was uh, 30% nuclear, 30% coal, 30% natural gas, and 10% renewables. So those are 2021 numbers. Palisades is closed and natural gas has gone up, so you can adjust accordingly. But um, uh, we not only want, I want, and I think a lot of people want to invest in nuclear energy. Uh, Fermi down in Monroe is going to try to expand. I think uh, you and I did the tour the other day. It was really interesting to drive up to those cooling towers. Um, And then uh, Palisades is looking to get back online. That's over in the uh, South Haven, Grand Haven area. Uh, and then cook. And that provides uh, millions of businesses and homes reliable energy. And so um, nuclear energy is huge in the state. We just, I don't think people know. And, uh, you know, people get scared. They think about Chernobyl and things sure, like sure. that. So what we're trying to say is not only do we want investment in, in nuclear energy and for Michigan to be, continue to be a top 10 nuclear state. Yep. However, uh, it's more than that. So maybe it's uh, emerging technology like SMRs, which were about an inch away from bringing those online here in, uh, not in Michigan, but in America. And then it's also nuclear manufacturing. So all the parts are manufactured elsewhere. Okay. Why don't, why don't we bring those parts and that education 
here to Michigan. And then you mentioned Michigan and Michigan State, who have the number one nuclear physicist and nuclear engineer programs. We talk about keeping talent here, yep. right? That's Tell them there's a place to work at Argonne or one of these nuclear yeah. um, uh, generating facilities. Keep that person and their tax dollars in Michigan and their family. Senator Singh, what do you think about nuclear energy? What are your thoughts and how does that fit into your clean energy package that you recently introduced here? Yeah, Senate Democrats uh, introduced a clean energy uh, future uh, set of legislation. And one of the things we want to do is uh, help Michigan proceed on that uh, path. We, As right now, we have uh, a goal of 15% uh, renewable energy as part of the uh, 2016 uh, energy bills, but we want to move us closer to where other states are uh, in the country. And so we've been talking about uh, getting us to 100% uh, clean energy by 2035, and that does include mostly renewables, but it also includes uh, nuclear. Uh, one of the things we're trying to do is obviously reduce the carbon uh, footprint. Uh, and so to do that, we are looking at a multiple uh, different uh, options, but we do see that nuclear, at least for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. since it's already there, the investments have been made, that w- that'll be a part of Michigan's energy future, especially as we go towards that clean energy standard. Sure. And you talked a little bit about targets. Uh, what kind of targets are we looking at in these uh, this bill package? Sure. You know, the governor came out with a very bold uh, My Healthy Climate plan uh, a couple of years ago. Many of the things in our plan is to codify some of those. So that's to make sure that we get off of coal plants by 2030, that we can uh, move towards that uh, renewable and clean energy standard by uh, 2035. We also want to incentivize the, the changes that are happening in the EV uh, electric vehicle uh, manufacturing space. So we're looking at a clean fuels uh, standard as well. And so we're looking at all those pieces that they come together. One of the key things is that we also want to change the purview of the Public Service Commission. Oh. Currently, right now, when you talk to them, they're trying to help low-income families, but they don't sometimes feel they have the, the right laws that allow them to do some of that. So we're going to be asking them to also take a look at affordability, take a look at equity, but also climate and health impacts. And I think that will help round out uh, the work that they do when they do their IRP processes, their rate cases, and so forth as they regulate our utilities in the state. Oh, it sounds like this is definitely a starting point, right? Yeah. Brand new majority, uh, six months in. So what kind of timeline do you foresee coming? I saw you're planning on having a hearing, and then you're going to let me, Brian, and Brad have a vacation for a little bit. We'll come back in the fall. That's right. So Senator uh, McCann, the chair of the uh, Energy Committee in the Senate, uh, has agreed to uh, a hearing, which will be uh, on the third week uh, of June, um, where we'll talk about climate, talk about these bills. We'll spend uh, the summer working on those. And then, you know, I hope to have some level of of conversation and movement uh, in the fall. We're hearing more and more from the governor and the lieutenant governor as they're talking about these issues that this was going to be a kind of a top priority for them in the fall. And so we look forward to having some kind of uh, clean energy uh, package passed by the legislature uh, sometime in the fall. Wow. So let's talk about the power of and. Rep Filler, how have you been involved in developing these policies or has there been any sort of conversations going on across the aisle? Uh, I mean, I want to tell you that we started the nuclear conversation. I don't think people are talking about nuclear, just to be frank. uh, They they exist. It provides massive energy, but people weren't talking about it. And there was a Russian invasion of Ukraine, and there was just so much discussion of how do we move away from dependence on Russian oil. And all of a sudden, nuclear energy became one of those main ways to do that. So myself and many others last term worked on a bill. Uh, It was a filler bill, House Bill 6019, that said the state of Michigan needed to study nuclear energy 
the feasibility of nuclear energy here in the state of Michigan. And that wasn't just baseload. It was um, uh, environment. It was uh, reliability. It was cost. Everything that goes into energy. Because energy is expensive uh, no matter what, no matter what we yep. decide. And there's got to be massive billion-dollar investment because we have to keep the lights on so people can have a standard of living that we expect in the state of Michigan and America. And so I found support from the governor. Um, and then I continued this term, as others, talking about uh, reinvesting in Palisades. So the state ask is, I think it's $300 million. Senator, I think it's $300 million and they're working on getting that bu- in the budget. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I guess we're going to see what's going to happen. Um, but I think there's an understanding that if Palisades is, is never put back into use, there's going to be an issue with energy reliability, um, especially down in uh, southwest Michigan. And, and no one wants to see that going forward. And so there's discussions with uh, Secretary Granholm, too. Uh, the feds are talking about doing a billion. But, um, yes, these are bipartisan conversations. But I have been heartened to see both sides. And I'll, I'll just be frank with you. It's easier on the Republican side. Sure. Like when I stood in that caucus and talked about my bill, somebody stood up and said, why don't we just do a bill that says we have to build more reactors? And I said, listen, it's, it's not going to pass, and it's probably not where we're moving. Like, let's do this as a starting point. Okay. Uh, they just love nuclear energy on the Republican side. The Dem side, they seem to like it, but there's also some uh, folks on the environmental side who won't talk about it, won't get behind it. So the senator and others get some pressure, right? They get the calls. We don't get those calls. And so for Senator uh, Singh and others to stand up and say nuclear energy is going to be part of what we do going forward, that's a really serious and really good thing that they're doing, that the Dem Caucus is taking some leadership on. And I believe this nuclear caucus is built to to push that even for and make it say nuclear is going to be part of Michigan going forward, and we've got support from both sides. That's great to hear. Do you agree with everything you said there? Yeah. Is there this fear monger in the Democratic caucus? Well, I don't think it's just Democratic caucus. I think, listen, there, if you talk to the general public, there is obviously concern with nuclear, right? You know, they've seen things happen in other countries. And because of that, you know, there's obviously uh, some concern. And, you know, I'm not here advocating for brand new, you know, nuclear. I, I know maybe members of the nuclear caucus and others are, you know, I'm saying, hey, we have it already here. You know, Palisades was already built. You know, we have Fermi here, and so we need to use those as their lives, you know, expectancy sort of moves forward. And I just want to be pragmatic about, you know, how do you get to uh, a clean uh, standard uh, of 100%. You can't do that right away if you don't have nuclear as part of that equation. And so we're kind of looking at it as a pragmatic standpoint, but there is concern, you know, from the general public on that. But it's something that I think as we look at other states, Minnesota, Illinois, others that have done a lot on the clean energy side, they're also involving nuclear for the short term uh, period of time. And of course, you know, it's always funny to talk short term, but 20, 30 years is kind of the short term kind of span that we're looking at here. So let's talk about the uh, the learning curve that comes along with these new types of different uh, energy producers, wind turbines. We, we were just talking about this the other day. We looked across the bay, and if you, if you look, well, there's no clouds, you'll see the second and third wind turbine here in Michigan. Wind turbines typically are in farm farm fields, open areas, Republican districts. Yep. How have your constituents adapted to that rep filler? You know, this is actually really interesting because Clinton and Gratiot, two of my main counties, especially my first two terms, Clinton, no wind turbines. Uh, Gratiot, which is a, a main wind in area in the state, yep. um, hundreds and hundreds, the largest wind farm. And also they used uh, a lot of rural poverty issues in Gratiot. They used money that came in thanks to the wind turbines 
to um, to help feed people in the area and to plug budget holes so that they could ter- take care of basic needs. And of course, that wind energy goes into the grid. Um, so I've seen one county who says unreliable, bad for our area, unnecessary, and one area that wanted to invest heavily in it. I've heard that wind siting is impossible now and everyone's moving on from it in the state of Michigan and the focus is entirely on solar. Um, I, I don't know that you know, for sure, but that's what I hear from everybody, especially up at this conference. So. Yeah, and especially when you take a look at solar, uh, the cost of solar has come down so much in the last decade that it makes financial sense for that to be the, the issue on siting in Clinton County that we both share as part of our districts. There's two utility grade, you know, uh, solar uh, pieces that came in over the last few years. And so there's an interest, I think, on the solar side, especially uh, from communities, but there's still angst, right? You know, there's always this fear that, you know, maybe too much farmland would be used. But when you take a look and you talk to people at MSU, especially who kind of focus on agriculture, they say if you wanted to hit your needs to get towards that 100% clean energy standard, you probably only need 1% to 2% of, you know, active farmland uh, today to do that. And so it won't be taking a whole pressure on there, but also at the same time, what we're looking at is not just looking at uh, rural areas. We think there's a great opportunity in urban areas. We think there's huge big box stores that could be doing not only solar on their buildings, but also on other parts of their property, especially if they're not using all the parking and so forth. So I think there's going to be a unique opportunity to look at things both in an urban as well as, well as a rural setting to make sure that we can hit our clean energy goals. That's, that is fascinating. Thank you both for coming today to our podcast. For the listeners out there, you can visit DetroitChamber.com to learn more about today's guests uh, and to hear more podcasts. Thank you both. Thanks, Adam. Thank Thanks you. so much.